Welcome to another a Rick and Phil Sports Centre. You're Rick Drewer, and I'm Phil Fechner. That is very true. <laughs> yes, indeed. Here we are on the eve of Christmas too, Rick, hey? Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas yeah, to everyone. Yeah. Um, today, Rick, we're going to do something a bit different. We're going to... Uh, what are we going to do? Well, I'm just going to... We're going to talk about you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's a, a real feather in your cap. Um, I believe there's a cricket book's just been released by Mike Sexton titled Chapel's Last Stand. And uh, just having a little bit of a skim through it, um, yeah, they mentioned you. Well, that's it. It's Let's get one thing clear from the very start. The book isn't about me. I happen <laughs> to be in it a few times. Um, all bias aside, it is a very, very well-written and researched cricket book. And as you'd probably know, some books you can pick up and you find them easy to read and others you pick up and you may be interested in the content, but they're written in a manner that you struggle. Uh, and, and Michael Sexton has done a magnificent job with this. So... Um, Basically, the book is about the 1975-76 Sheffield Shield season, uh, and believe it or not, South Australia actually won the Shield in that year. Really? Yeah, it's very They've rare. They've come close <laughs> lately, haven't they? Yeah, they have. <laughs> but in actual fact, um, that's, that is the sort of chief emphasis of the book and, and the history of each game and how it all happened. But at a deeper level... Um, it really is a, a, a very, very excellent analysis of Ian Chappell, his personality and his uh, a, a attempts at writing what he saw as wrongs. I'll stop you there. Yeah. Good bloke? Great bloke. Very, very loyal. Once you'd, learnt, once you'd earned his uh, respect, um, meaning that he believed you could play or whatever, uh, he was incredibly loyal. Yeah. Um, lucky enough to hear Greg talk. Uh, oh, probably 12 months ago at the Angston Footy Club, and um, he seems a pretty down-to-earth guy too. He is, he is indeed, yep. He's Funny a... man. I never saw that side of him. Always pretty straight and narrow, you know, on the cricket, but um, very funny at this talk, you know. Yes. Well, I, I was privileged enough to play all my early cricket um, in and with and against uh, Ian and Greg, and so I know them both quite well, actually. Oh, it's good. No, it's a feather in your cap, and yeah, it's great that you've been mentioned. And anyway, um, getting back to uh, the year, it it really was a quite uh, putting aside the fact that we won a Sheffield Shield. There were so many other things going on. I'm not sure whether you recall, but Ian, when he was appointed captain of the Australian cricket team, um, was appointed at the uh, expense of Bill Laurie, who was dropped, and. Uh, Ian, from that day when he first got um, the Guernsey to captain the side, uh, always declared that he it was never going to happen to him. And in fact, he, in the previous season to our Shield winning side, he actually relinquished the captaincy and brother Greg took over. So that's an interesting point in itself. The second thing was that Ian was very, um, I guess you'd say almost upset with uh, many of what he saw as the attitudes of Sacker in terms of uh, a program to try and win a shield and the way in which the players were treated. Particularly, he was concerned about, and this shows his character, I think, he was very concerned about the, the amount of money that we as first-class cricketers were getting. Not test cricketers, but Sheffield Shield players. And to put it into perspective, I know you've got to adjust it to today's value of the 
currency of the dollar, but we got $50 for playing four days, and he just thought that was totally ridiculous. In actual I mean, fact, they wouldn't, you know, they get fifty dollars for a pair of shoelaces to buy. Well, that's you know, right. Now. And even if you, even if you put it into the value of the day, um, as Ian said, in, and I won't use the expletives that he mm. did occasionally use, but he suggested to the hierarchy at Saka that the bloke working in the bar was getting paid more than well, he probably was. He was, yeah. and particularly the ones on Sunday where they were getting double time. Yeah. So there was one of his great protests. Another sort of indication of, of the lack of programming was that, in actual fact, prior to the, this season of 75-76 starting, um, we actually, for the first time ever, had a pre-season fitness camp at Mylor. But alas, it was organised by Ashley Woodcock, one of the players. Mm. It was not an initiative of the Sackers at all. Um, the other thing that he really was on about was that and Ian was very, very astute at the rights and wrongs uh, of anything that happened either on the cricket field or associated with it. And it, back in those days, there was a point system where uh, you got bonus points for either runs scored or wickets taken uh, in the first 65 overs. And what he tried and, and failed to do was um, convince the powers that be that to get a result in a four-day game, if the batting side did well in the first 65 overs, they were virtually compelled, not forced to, but virtually, if you wanted a result, you were compelled to declare. And in fact, um, Ian was very good at doing that because he felt it was a very strong point and that was one of his other protests and um, uh, we, we played the West Indies in the first game of the season and got out with a very very honourable draw and in fact Ian basically said well we can win the Sheffield Shield and he made us believe that we could do it and so came the first Shield game of the season it was against New South Wales and we batted first and did pretty well and Ian did the appropriate thing and declared. And although they were great mates, Dougie Walters and Ian Chappell, uh, this was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on a cricket field in my life. What actually happened was that um, obviously New South Wales went out and batted and, and they did just as well on, you know, second day Adelaide Oval paradise. And when they got to the 65 overs, Ian half expected Dougie to declare, but in fact he batted on. And so at the end of the second day, um, the expectation was that, well, they'll declare overnight. Lo and behold, we get there for day three, and Dougie's decided to bat on again. And Ian was very unimpressed. And um, what happens is that uh, the fielding side is in the in dressing rooms, and the umpires are about to go out, and they knock on the door and say, oh, Ian, we'll, we'll follow us out, you know, 10 minutes to go. And I can remember Ian clearly saying to Max O'Connell, who was one of the, I think yeah, Robin Baylash yeah. was the other one, to Max O'Connell, who was the one who'd knocked on the door, and I'll leave out another couple of words, <laughs> he actually just suggested to Max that he hoped he knew the rules. <laughs> and, and unbeknownst to us, which he hadn't shared, Ian took the ball himself, and as a form of protest, basically stood at the crease and bowled sort of just under head-high full tosses to Dennis Yagmich, who was the wicketkeeper. 
So they were like sort of hand grenades, and unless you had a tennis racket, then you weren't going to play them. And they were eight ball overs in the, those days, and so it was Ian's form of protest. And um, Fang Wayne Pryor bowled at the other end <clears throat> and picked up a couple of wickets, but I think Ian would have still been bowling them, and eventually, <laughs> eventually Dougie declared. Um, but uh, and it was Ian's form of showing mm. that the, the the game became a farce if both captains didn't do the right thing. So, uh, and we won that first game and um, things sort of rolled on from there. I did have to laugh. You told me the story a couple of months ago about the West Indies when you were down ready to face Michael Holding, I think it was, and you thought, where is he? And you looked right down by the fence and there he was standing right down by the fence. You thought there was no one there to bowl at you. It was. He was. It would be scary stuff though, wouldn't it? Well, I guess it was no scary. Helmet. No helmets, no nothing. You know, you had a thigh guard and a box and that was it, and a felt cap. But um, he, his elegant approach to the wicket, mm. I mean, he did. He basically started at the sight screen. Yeah. And um, I did let one deliberately hit my pad and, oh, it hurt so much. And I thought, <laughs> have I forgotten to put my pads on? I, but um, it was a great honour oh, to love place that Robertson holding and so yeah. forth. So, yeah, I mean, that was when cricket was cricket, let's face it. Oh, that was, that was yeah. great. You know, Clive Lloyd and all those guys. Mm. Well, we were very lucky that, you know, well, I'm not sure whether you, as an opening batsman you call it lucky, but, you know, you, you, it was an era where, you know, you, wherever you went, you had to face Lily or Thompson mm. or yeah. Robertson yeah. holding or Some Alan Hurst. Around, yeah, there yeah. were. So, all right, we better move on. Yeah. Um, i just see, uh, just give us a look at that team that you, you had that won the Shield there. Um, well, well, I think probably. Some good names in there. Well, yes, uh, for, forgetting that I was actually part of it. I mean, it was, I think, in terms of the way they pick cricket teams these days, a very, very balanced side. Um, Ashley Woodcock and myself opened, and Ian went in. Ian Chapel went in at three. Gary Cozier, yeah. who finished up playing in the centenary test, um, batted at four. It was the first year that Rick Darling and David Hooks played, and they were at five and six. And uh, obviously, they turned out to be yep. incredible. Rick Darling open for Australia, and, and, the, and the the other thing that made it such a balanced side was there was TJ Terry Jenner and Ashley Mallet, uh, a leggy and an offie. And then you had Dennis Yagmich, who'd come over from Western Australia and was wicketkeeper. And then the majority of the year, Jeff Attenborough and Wayne Pryor opened the bowling. Uh, one or two games at the very end of the season, uh, Rodney Hogg first got a yep. show. But um, one of the... I mean, Ian was just amazing. He made so Look, many Looking runs. at that, you, you only had two pace bowlers. Yeah, and because we had the two spinners. Yeah. That's, I mean, you don't see that now. No, no. Two spinners, two pace. That's right. Um, and, and Wayne Pryor had the most magnificent season. In fact, the West Indies thought that he was very, very, very good. And well, he was he, as quick as there was, wasn't he? he? Absolutely. His, on his day. And, and probably if he, you know, unfortunately he played at the wrong time. If he, yeah. if he hadn't had uh, Lily and uh, Tomo, he would have probably played a lot of test cricket. But mm. there you go. So um, uh, it was amazing uh, season. It was incredible. We'd actually had generated enough points, because there was no final in those days, and I'm a great advocate for not having a final. Yeah, I agree, because um, it, it's just a played-out draw, basically. That's right, and because the way they've constructed it is that unless uh, to, to the, the 
the advantage of finishing top is that you get a home final mm. and you don't have to win the game. That's right. And so basically, there's very rarely, I'm not sure how many it is now, 30-odd that have been decided by a final. And, you know, but basically they're all draws mm. because the, the, the home team's got no so interest in team wins risking. Here, so, That's yeah. right. So why? And the other thing is, of course, that the way football's encroached is that uh, the final's played uh, once pre-season matches have started. Mm. I mean, you've only got to look at where last year it was played, Alice Springs. You know, yeah. that would have attracted a huge crowd. Yeah. Um, the year before, it was played at Glenelg Oval. And so, really, it's a non-event. And I could understand them doing it if it, if it attracted crowds, yeah. but it doesn't. No. And so I think, you know, if it's good enough for top-grade English soccer to win a premiership by whoever's finishing top... I can't see why we don't do it, but that's one of my little hobby horses. Yeah, no, it's, so, I mean, it's interesting stuff. Yeah. So uh, um, it, was a, it was a great victory, uh, and we'd actually accumulated enough points that we virtually, with still two games to go, uh, had guaranteed winning the Shield. So um, it, was, it was a very good year. Mm. The, the, the funny little story was that Queensland had won the year before, and the story, from what I've been told, is that... Uh, Greg rang up Ian to congratulate them on, on Southrow winning it. And evidently in the phone call, Greg said to Ian, I just don't know how that side could have won a Sheffield Shield. But it played very well as a side. So mm. there you go. That's good. Excellent. You got any other info there? Well, uh, perhaps a, a, just a, <laughs> What about a, a joke? Oh, a joke? a joke? Oh, yeah. Well, we better have, have a joke. Have we got a joke? Right. Um, I don't know whether you've heard about the poor young guy who uh, went to the first trials of the, cr the upcoming cricket season and after, uh, after he'd performed for a while, the chairman of selectors came over to him and said, listen, young fella, with the sporting skills that you've shown today indicates to me that the best opportunity that you can make to be a cricketer lies in a club where your father holds an influential position. <laughs> He must have my ability, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're running out of time. Yeah. Do we want uh, to touch well, on the local well, cricket? Well, or? I'm, just as a, a little interest, I, I, I um, on rotation, although you were rude to me that I'd been dropped, on rotation I umpired a game in A2 between Anguston and uh, Williston. How did that go? Well, <laughs> you should ask Simon. <laughs> Gosh, because <laughs> I suggested when the game started that being a one-day game, the, the game has to be played out to time unless the two captains agree to yep. abandon the game yep. if Very a result's short, been achieved. Yeah. Anyway, cutting the story short, Anguston made 144 and Williston have passed them with only three wickets down. But uh, the, the, the fascinating thing was that um, <laughs> uh, when, um, when Maxi uh, Bornhold got out uh, for 52... Uh, they were only a half a dozen or so runs off winning the game, and he'd already taken three for 14. And although what I'm about to tell you would s sometimes indicate man of the match, um, I think uh, I think Maxi really probably deserved it. So in comes Trent um, Payne. Payne, and he has proceeded, <laughs> and, and Simon's probably still dreaming about mm. not <laughs> agreeing to quit the game. He has proceeded to score 147 not out, and so Williston finish at four for 329, and he scored uh, 108 of his 147 from six sixes and 18 fours. <laughs> he was actually out, caught three times, 
by one of their fieldsmen beyond the boundary line oh, three what? times. He That's smashed. He smashed the ball. And and Johnny Butcher. He he yeah, played. He, go. he played for Angerston, and I didn't think that Johnny Butcher could do anything worse than kick for goal. Well, tell me, what would it be? He bowled one over. 22 yeah. runs. <laughs> <laughs> Even in my one game of cricket, I've, I took two overs to get that. <laughs> and I'm not sure whether Simon is trying to get rid of this poor... He's only a young bloke, a guy called Tom Jackerman. And and he, and he Simon Cotty, who's the captain, kept bowling him. He's bowled his five overs. You're only allowed to bowl five yeah. overs in a 40-over game. Five overs, no maidens, no wickets, 97 runs. <laughs> Oh, pity he couldn't get his hundred. <laughs> He'd be looking for a new, a change of luck in the, uh, the the new year. I would have thought. Well, I reckon we're running over time, but look, I'm just going to quickly touch on it. I'm so excited tonight, Rick. Why? What are you doing? I'm going to the Big Bash. You're not yeah, going to the Big Bash. They're real cricket. Where <laughs> cricket is cricket. I know you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a it's a spectacle. It's just bad luck. It's not cricket that they're playing. But <laughs> anyway, let's wish all our uh, listeners a happy, uh, merry Christmas, Christmas and a happy, happy new, new year. year. Okay, we'll talk to you next year. Bye. Cheers.